Hey everybody, welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns and thank you so much for taking your time from your day to be with us. You know, last week we discussed finding the path to freedom, finding the path to live free in 23. Well, we continue our series to live free in 23. And today we're going to talk about Peter and walking the path to live free in 23. Walking the path of freedom is coming up next. You know, Peter is just this amazing, amazing uh, uh, individual that we see in God's Word. Throughout the New Testament, we see him early on in his life. We see him later in his life. We see this incredible transformation And we're going to get to see his walk in freedom. We're going to get to see a little bit, a little piece of him today when we discuss uh, Peter and walking in in freedom. You know, the paths around here where we live are, are just wonderful. My wife and I love going for a stroll through the woods, going through hikes, going on prayer walks. We love uh, walking through the woods, but it's not always straightforward. Some of these paths are rocky, sometimes they're on slopes that slope up, sometimes they're sloping down, sometimes they're sloping to the left or to the right. Sometimes the roots are all over the place, and you have to be really careful not to trip on the roots. Uh, Sometimes it's just small rocks, but sometimes there's big rocks that we have to be very careful to step across them. Sometimes the path is smooth, and sometimes it's very muddy, and you've got to be careful not to slip and fall down. The path is just not always straightforward. When we look at Peter, we're going to see some of his headwinds, some of his things today as we talk about walking the path. And we're going to learn how to take some of these things that we learn from Peter and apply them to us today. You know, the first thought here of walking this path in freedom is a word from Peter. Sticking to these first century Jesus followers that we find in the book of Acts and looking closer at Peter. You know, he was there when Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Peter was also there when he said, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Peter was there. I'm sure he remembered it. But to talk about Peter, I think we should start with where he, where we first see him. We should get some background on where Peter was when we first see him uh, in Luke chapter 5. It starts out one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let the debts down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, so they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. 
Go away from me, Lord, an emotional, spiritual mess of a person who was too embarrassed. He was shameful, guilty before Jesus. Peter said, go away from me, Lord. Because I am too embarrassed. I feel too bad. I don't want to be with you. I don't deserve to be with you. You see, up until this point, Peter had put his trust not in Jesus, had not put his hope in the Lord. His trust actually was in his nets to catch the fish. His hope was in his own skill sets. This would be the same man that in just a few years, Jesus would look in the eye in John chapter 21 and say, Peter, you must follow me. Certainly can't speak to his knowledge beforehand, but we see Peter. We see Peter now standing before Jesus, embarrassed of who he was. But then we would see the power of the gospel, see the power of the Holy Spirit, see the strength that's found in God's word and how it would transform Peter to that one day he would choose to be a Jesus follower for all time. You see, one day, and Peter was reading in Psalm chapter 69, May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let no one to dwell in their tents. And again in Psalm 109, Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at the right hand. When he has tried, let him be found guilty, and may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. Peter was truly transformed in his time with Jesus. And so much for that his trust went from the nets and from his skill sets and to something else besides God's word to now he had read these Old Testament scriptures because we know that in Acts chapter 1, he would use those very things I just read and conclude that, my goodness, we should replace Jesus I'm sorry, we should replace Judas as one of the twelve. We should replace Judas. So Peter had saw the Old Testament, saw the writings in the book of Psalms. He took it. He meditated on it. I'm sure he prayed for clarity, and then he applied it. You see, the word was not just something interesting for him to read. It was now his guiding light. It had come to be that during his time with Jesus. And so they, in fact, did replace Judas. He did the action because he trusted the word. He applied because his hope was now in it. And even though Jesus himself was gone in the physical sense, Peter was taking these Old Testament scriptures, his Bible of the time, and seeing how it could help him now move forward. In Acts chapter 2, we see it go farther, where now he is speaking to thousands of people, all listening to him. But they were in his face, many people saying that he and others were drunk, mocking him. 
giving him a hard time. But no worries, he had answers to those that were taunting him. He, that what, he had answers to those that were making fun of him. He isn't really worried about what they're saying anyhow. The exaggeration of the truth, the lies, the half-truths, the other things that can be hurtful. He's not really worried about that, about the half-truths, because his security as, is actually in the full truth. He is obedient to the truth, and therefore he has been set free. He reasons with the people in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 28. And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Quoting Joel chapter 2. He moves on to tell. Perhaps he was even shouting to them about this Jesus that is now not there physically, but telling them, reminding them about this man Jesus and who he was. Remember him telling Jesus to get away from him? He is now telling people the many that were listening, that Jesus was given to them, freeing them from their sins. And in the process throughout Acts chapter 2, he references not just the Joel chapter that we just read, but he also references Psalm 16 and Psalm 110. The word had transformed Peter's life, and now he was passing it on to others transforming theirs. But like us today, at this point, he didn't have Jesus in person. He just had Jesus's words. He just had the memories. And of course, he had the Spirit, the Spirit of God that was working in him, in him and can also work in us. But it was just the beginning. In Acts chapter 3, we read about the lame beggar that we read last week. And Peter told the lame beggar that I have nothing for you except the name of Jesus. Now walk. And in the aftermath of this, Jesus pleads with the Jewish crowds to listen to Jesus and to repent of their sins. In Acts chapter 3, verse 22, he says, For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. And in doing so, he had quoted Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, 18, and 19. He is in touch with the word. He is in touch with the Old Testament. He is in touch because the people that he is speaking with also had familiarity in Acts chapter 4, the very next day, he quotes Psalm 118, verse 22, to Jewish leaders that were now giving him a hard time. Jewish leaders that were not appreciating what Peter was sharing about Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, verse 11, he quotes the Psalm 118. Jesus is, he told the Jewish leaders, the stone 
you builders have rejected, which has now become the cornerstone. Time and time again through the first two chapters of Acts, and that's just what we read. Who knows what wasn't recorded at the time? Who knows how many scriptures Peter was using to plead the people for them to repent of their sins, for them to choose to be Jesus followers. But you know what we read here is just the tip of the iceberg. There's many more references throughout the book of Acts. And farther, towards the end of his life, the book of 1 Peter that Peter wrote himself contains nearly 50 references to the Old Testament. His cost of being a follower of Jesus was high. He was mocked. He was punished. He was put into prison. He changed his whole orientation towards food because of Jesus. His friendships were stained. His life was changed. It was turned upside down. Yet he always clung to the word. A word with Peter. My first thought means that the word in capital letters was with him. The word of God was with them. And it really embodies Psalm 119. And today I pick out one, Psalm 119, starting in verse 41, for us to consider for ourselves. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation, according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame, for I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees." Thought number two is a word for you. You know, Peter clearly relied on the word at all times, but especially when his life was not going well, when it got hard, when things weren't going as he had hoped. It wouldn't have been a surprise. Peter was told by Jesus that his life actually was going to be difficult. And so he wouldn't have been surprised when things got hard. But in verse 45 of Psalm 119, what I just read, it says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. You know, for you and I, we can walk about in freedom. Freedom is available to you and to me. It is there. Nothing can get in the way. This freedom can help you feel secure. This freedom can give you hope. This freedom can encourage you when we seek God's precepts, when we seek God's word. A word, the word, needs to be with you. In verse 42 of what I read, you know, in Psalm it says that you can answer anyone that can taunt you. That we can answer anyone just as Peter did when they're giving you difficulty. If I know and I have the word, I have an answer when people are talking bad about God. I can have an answer when people are talking about my friends 
when people are talking bad about the church, when people talking bad about myself, we can cling on to God's words and I will have answers. 2 Timothy 3.16 is that all scripture is God-breathed and is the truth. It is the truth that sets us free. In verse 43 of Psalm 119, Never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I have always put my hope in your laws. Like Peter, if we have God's word at the ready, it is always there to rely on. Practically, what does what walking in freedom look like? What does that mean, really mean in my life here today? To be able to rely on that. To be able to, to count on God's word. Well, we continue in this psalm. In verse 44, it says, I will always obey your law forever and ever. So the first thought of practically walking in freedom is to be in tune with God's word, his commands, to know what they are, to seek them out, but not just to read about them as an interest story, not just to read them, to consider them and meditate on them, but to be obedient to them, to be obedient to God's word. That's what it looks like to walk in freedom. In verse 46 of Psalm 119, I will speak of your statutes before the kings and will not put them, and I will not be put to shame. You know, we got to stop being ashamed of speaking of God's word. We've got to stop being ashamed of God and of God's word. We've got to be willing to reach out to others. We've got to be willing just to invite, if nothing else, invite a friend to a worship service with us. To invite a friend into your home so that they can see what Christianity is. We should not be ashamed, regardless of how hard it is, regardless of how scary it can be, Regardless if I haven't done it in a long, long time. Walking about in freedom means that we're not ashamed to speak of God's word. Regardless of who we're with or who we're spending time with. In verse 47, it also says that we should delight in God's commands. For I delight in your commands because I love them. Delighting in God's word. Goodness, it's like a cold drink on a hot day. It should refresh you. Like good news. It should lift your soul. It should encourage you. Delighting in God's word. We can't delight in God's word if we're not in tune with it. We should delight in God's word. There is so, so much there. In verse 48, I reach out for your commands, which I love that I might meditate on your decrees. Reaching out and meditating on God's word. 
What does walking in freedom look like? It's being in tune with God's word and being obedient to his commands. It's not being ashamed to speak of God's word. It is delighting in God's word and it is reaching out into God's word and meditating on it. If you would like to walk in freedom, if you would like to live free in 23 and walk this path, there you go. There you go. Be in tune with God's word. Don't be ashamed. Delight and reach out and meditate on God's word. If this doesn't describe you, ask yourself what is holding you down. If you're not walking in freedom, if you're not walking that path, living free in 23, what chains are you holding onto that are holding you back? Let's help each other with that. Let's help each other with those things so that we can all walk together and live free. Verse 45 in Psalm 119, I'll read it again. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. How does freedom look in you? How does this freedom look in you? Is the word with you? And are you in the word? Peter used it time and time again to reason with those first century people. He used it time and time again to lean on, to go back to, to help the people, his hearers at the time. Those same words, coupled together with the New Testament, is now there for us, to help us to walk in freedom. We need this. We need this. Storms come crashing in. We need to be standing on the rock. So let's walk in freedom. Let's walk with the word. I hope that was helpful. And if you liked it and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area, would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.